So if someone was going to ask you which 20 songs gave you joy, uh, do you think that you would have a problem making a list of 20 songs? No, I mean, the issue is cutting them down, right? And, yeah. And- well, I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a cheat code to it. I, if I was asked it like on the basis of just sort of, you know, uh, you have to give an answer in like 30 seconds, I would just say, uh, you know, uh, probably the the two disc collection of uh, Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> just yeah, like start yeah. start with that, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll find I'll find twenty just on that. <laughs> By the way, I, the Fountains of Wayne from my hometown of Wayne, New Jersey, where I was uh, grew up, and Fountains of Wayne is a store that is also featured like like a half dozen different times. It's like a home and garden store, and it's featured like a half dozen times in The Sopranos. And just such bad memories, because when you're a little kid, there's nothing more boring in the whole world than like going on errands with your parents that are like not toy store, you know, related. And I just remember so many afternoons at Fountains of Wayne while, you know, someone was getting mulch or something. (laughs) But the point is just like, welcome interstate managers. And it's like, okay, you know, like all of those songs make me feel happy. So, you know, if, if you go to a presidential campaign and say, uh, you know, uh, we need 20 songs from you because of some stupid person on X uh, has done a hashtag and we're trying to find something interesting to talk, talk about uh, in uh, over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, you know, if I was Chris Christie's campaign, I just would have given them like Bruce Springsteen's greatest. Yeah, hits. the river. Yeah, yeah. just or, the whole yeah. river or whatever. Yeah. Which, which is basically kind of what he did. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was basically it was basically the New Jersey greatest hits album between the, the boss and Bon Jovi. Yeah, I mean, I think he's missing a couple things. I would have to go through there and and sort of uh, I would I would need to get some of my my uh, Jersey, uh, you know, friends to analyze it. But there's well, a was Sinatra a Jersey guy. So not just yeah. from Hoboken. Look, yeah, first I mean, of all, I'm if, anything Jersey related. <laughs> just run it by me, okay? And, and, and second of all, like um, he's probably missing all. I don't know if this was the same with the. We're all about the same age. The girls in your high school, uh, uh, like a ver, uh, like a prayer, the Madonna song. That is like that is their anthem. So I would expect that to be on a lot yeah. of Jersey lists too. Um, yeah, and, the, I, and I also think, I mean, there's there's so many different things that you can critique about, you know, uh, when candidates are trying to sort of, you know, they're trying to send a message. And obviously, you know, part of this is inspired by the fact that this is something that uh, uh, that Obama would do in association with Spotify, presumably sponsored by Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. Yeah. You know, he would come out with his list of of uh, songs and they were the most pathetically cliched collection like it was clear or or you know not even just cliched because that would be there are a couple on this list we should be clear by the way i'm sure it'll be in the show notes but yeah. we're talking about this survey of gop primary candidates are asked for 20 songs that bring them joy which is a pretty or uh, sorry that stir their soul which is a, a kind of specific ask but uh you know even the problem with obama's thing was if it was just cliche that'd be one thing but it was perfectly calibrated it was like points plotted on a on a on a scatter you know chart to hit all the key demographics like the the right number of like newish things the right number of kind of classic rock pop you know soul funk it was really like very 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 cynically calculated and i just didn't believe for a minute that it represented 
his like honest, you know, playlist, or I guess what would be worse is if, if it did represent his honest playlist and he just thinks in terms of, you know, triangulation and positioning at such a deep fundamental ontological level that that was, you know, those were his music tastes. But you're right. There was a lot about these lists. A lot of them looked very, you know, some of the same songs appeared on multiple lists. They looked either kind of lazy or calculated from people who are either just fine, you know, fine. Maybe they're just casual music fans and they don't have too many deep cuts to share. But there was a lot of unimaginative stuff. And then, of course, I think what you were hinting at at the beginning, uh, Ben, was Ramaswamy, who was asked for 20 songs and produced eight. And of the eight, two of them were Imagine Dragons. So yes. really, so <laughs> I want to I want to talk about that for a minute. But from my perspective, so here's the here's my here's my uh, uh, a question about this. If this was, uh, you know, an actual uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, fulfilling uh, Jersey list, you know, uh, for for Christy, what is he missing? Doesn't he need little Steven? Doesn't he need, uh, you know, like the some of the some of the other sort of like uh, uh, like like Jersey bar band kind of things that that felt like it was missing for me. It felt a little too corporate. Yeah, I mean, Little Steven's in the E Street Band. So Southside Johnny. Southside Johnny would be a real. I mean, the thing about Southside Johnny is he's just not that good. He is kind of a bar. He is kind of a yeah. bar band guy. Yeah, he, but, but, I guess, but but the point is that like he's the equivalent of like um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh Pat. What's his face from Texas? It, it's like you know, it's one of those situations where you just have to do it because you, that's where you're from, and so you have to you know make sure. That uh, that you know, you have you have you know the uh, right. Check that uh, box. You, you, you check that. You 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 check that box with with people who are uh, who are who are local. I mean, uh, I'm thinking Pat Green, I believe, is uh, the, the, the the little burrito song or whatever he sings. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I think Sinatra is a good one. Also, probably the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some something from Fr- Frankie Valley or you know something like I, that. I'm just... I'm just looking now at the. I, I didn't realize that, you know, courtesy of Google, that New Jersey was such a bastion of musical talent. I mean, you've got oh, everything from, from the stylings of Paul Simon to Whitney Houston to Redman. Oh, it's 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 the classic example of the people who are right outside the cultural center totally. being motivated to make it big in the cultural center. It's it's a great like no, it, it Jersey is. You also you also forget too. I mean, the the New York megalopolis. I think your point is exactly right, Ben. But the New York megalopolis, like sixty or seventy years ago, when a lot of the great, you know, the musical greats of American rock were born, you know, one out of every what six or seven people in America lived there. So it's it's hard not to be, um, you know, uh, not to have a lot of talent come here. Maybe it's more like one out of eight, but the point is a huge, a huge population center. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, no, I mean, I, I, I just would make it like Jersey and Tennessee are basically the, the origination points of enormous talent yeah. in terms of American musical history. Um, the, so when you're looking at this list and obviously we're, we're deprived here because we're working with like, you know, we're looking at Will Hurd. We're looking at Larry Elder. I actually would make the argument that Larry Elder's list might be the best list out of all of these, um, it, which also speaks to sort of maybe his history in radio. Um, what are the highlights from Larry Elder's list to you? Oh, well, I mean, I, I just think oh, you know, the you, Sam, a change is going to come by Sam Cooke is the it's a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a mean, great one. Uh, uh, my girl 
is like you know right off the bat it's just like oh man you know of course you know who doesn't feel good about that the, but the uh, you know but the point is just more that uh, i mean and his by, by the way his double up is boys to men it's boys to men which, <laughs> which... <laughs> from the same from the same record too which i look i play in the summer of 94 95 i played that record about a thousand times so i get it but know? i would but... point out he is the only person to have otis redding on his list and Otis Redding should probably be on everybody's list. Like there's there's an Otis Redding song that makes you feel good. So I, I guarantee yeah, it. So the um uh the Will Hurd list is is very Gen X to me. Yeah. Um uh with maybe the exception of of uh, I don't know, the white stripes or something like that. Everything there seems very Gen X. Uh it, it, it's but, the most idiosyncratic, though, I will say. I mean, he's got Jodas. He's got he's got he's a got Steve Aoki. Yeah, he's got a Jamiroquai deep cut that's not virtual insanity, which is the one song everyone knows by then. <laughs> um the uh, uh he's got a Taylor Swift song. Um but we but we do have to talk. We do have to I mean I'll, we'll get to Vivek in a second. Um this this is there's a kind of bland nature. Uh, to 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 these lists that uh, you know you you kind of have to. Ha- I understand that they're like playing it safe and that they can't. You know, there's there's some song. It's not like Chris Christie uh, uh, chose like red red wine or something like that. You know, like the point the point is just that they you're trying to send a message with these lists. Um, I do like the fact that Nikki Haley put a Def Leppard song. <laughs> I think Def Leppard makes two appearances, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, uh, on the yeah. list. But yeah. I will say it, it, she, has, in, she has pour some sugar on me and photograph on her list. Yeah, um, and, and, but, and I will say I want to say though, Ben, just in defense yeah. of uh Will Hurd. He does have Easy E's Boys in the Hood, which is actually just like I think problematic from the first word to the last. That actually go- is fair. That is fair. That's probably the most problematic one on the list. And you have the try-hard uh, aspect of Nikki Haley with picking Luke Combs' fast car just because it's so popular uh, at the particular moment. I, I, I am a little disappointed that Will Hurd does not have any songs on here from his boy Beto O'Rourke's uh, band Fox. Yes, yes, it feels like a bit of a betrayal to me. Yeah, you you should have had somebody who's just like either a Beto uh, cut or or like a there has to be some cover that they do, you know, where you like it's a song that's known, but but that they, um, uh, but anyway, uh, but but Banana Rama also on uh, on Nikki Haley. Oh, Nikki list. Nikki's list is very new wave and very female, and I dig I dig both those things about it. She's got a lot of the great eighties, late seventies, eighties, early nineties. Female front ladies. I, I could have used the pretenders, maybe. I think from her. Yeah, and uh, well, I'm I'm disappointed by the fact that you know when, uh, uh, you have you have, uh, I believe, two, is it two displays of the killers on this? No, I guess it's just her. It might, it, uh, Christy no, has they a show. Sh- yeah, they show. Yeah. Up. They show. So so, Mr. Brightside is a fine song. I've been. I will hold my hand up and say I've seen the killers in concert uh, half a dozen times. I think they're they're a great. They might be the last great guitar rock uh, American like uh, band. It, you know, at least in my mind. You know, I I love I love many bands more than the Killers, but I just think of them as being kind of in that lane that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and they're a bunch of better songs than Mr. Brightside. Like in terms of if this def- definition, you know, basically. 
I mean, you could do Runaways, you could do Dustland Fairy Tale, you could do. I mean, I I have a soft spot for the man, so which which obviously would have been an ironic choice for Haley, but would. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, I like when when you were young, which is yes, they they very much admitted was their ode to Bruce Springsteen. Exactly, so kind of exactly. Two, so it's like, it's like okay, I, I want yeah. All right. So, having said all this, Vivek, <laughs> we have disaster. It's, wow, it's utter. So Ryan Ryan Gurdusky, friend of the show, tweeted out, "This is the worst thing I've seen in my life," <laughs> and I don't think that he was exaggerating. Lose Yourself by Eminem, uh, uh, Rondo Alaturka by uh, Mozart, which will be recognizable to you if you listen to it, Centuries, Fallout Boy, Believer, Imagine Dragons, Jolene, Dolly Parton. Jolene is a great song. Dolly Parton's version of it, you know, which she obviously, you know, wrote the song, etc. you know, give her credit where due, is not considered by anyone, I don't think, to be the best version of the song. Thunder, Imagine Dragons, Dream on Aerosmith theme. The, like, I mean, come on, there's a ton more there. The, Aerosmith, not a great, like, you know, not maybe the best musical band, but there are a ton of great Aerosmith songs. Dream on is not one of them. Uh, Pastures of Plenty by Woody Guthrie. I am insulted by this list. I'm insulted that it exists. I'm insulted that he only did eight. It's classic but, but, example of like, did you mentioned the Mozart on there too. I, yes. I, I just, wow. But but just like not even like if you're going to go if you're going to go classical, at least go like American classical, because then you can sort of point to it and say, you know, this variations Appalachian spring makes me think of America, you know, something like that, as opposed to what? You know, like what do you? This doesn't make any sense. It's like the thing I was thinking of as I was reading this was that Al Gore, when he was asked about like his favorite book. Uh, picked Stendhal's The Red and the Black, <laughs> which which like is is not something that you should pick if you want to have any kind of relatability. Uh, who was the wait? Who was it who picked um uh uh Battlefield Earth? Who did that when they were running for for president? Oh, I'm, that I'm, that rings a bell, but I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 Google while you, while you discuss. But the point is just that it, this this both rings false and weird at the same well, time. It, te- it tells you a lot about who he is. Like everything about it, it, it's like a Rosetta Stone for him because "Lose Yourself" is the universal anthem for Mitt Romney. Mitt, 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 Mitt Romney's favorite novel, L. Ron Hubbard's Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch that (laughs) but the point is that you like it's the sort of thing where you like google you know most popular most popular sci-fi novel it needs to be something relatable you know that sort of thing that sounds fine (laughs) and then then not not going the next step that sounds like something a human person would say yes exactly Um, (laughs) but not going the extra step to say who's l ron hubbard (laughs) yeah just one more google search could have saved you (laughs) but Um, it's just unpack for me john what what are your problems with this list well, the, the the Vivek list. I mean, let's let's start with the fact that he was only able to come up with with eight songs. The guy that is so online that he'll do any interview anywhere with anyone only has. Eight I, I songs. am shocked by that. I, and, and also, I'm also shocked that he didn't just say, uh, like again, going back to the, like the just going to one album, Jimmy Buffett's greatest hits. 
like just say Top, you know, I've just been listening to that nonstop since Jimmy passed. You know, it's 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 my jam. Like or now, you know, out. or now that's what I call music seventeen. You know, you could <laughs> you could have picked a compilation or something. I mean, yeah. so well, first of all, the Smash Mouth erasure in in light of the you know the lead singer's uh, untimely passing, the fact that uh, All Star is not yeah. yeah, I mean that that's it's it's a, it's a tragedy. Um, yeah, I think the Double Imagine Dragons, since all of their songs are basically the same song, and yeah, you know, like it's a nice thing to run to, but. Um, you know, Fall I think Out of Boy. Imagine Dragons as like the music that that Fox uses to go out of their NFL breaks. Like yeah, that's a- all of this. I mean, Centuries is basically. I think it was uh, for one of like the college conference basketball tournaments. It might have been the ACC. Like Centuries was their like transition music, and all. I think the common thread in a lot of these songs, and we'll set aside the the Mozart, is that they're or or the Woody Guthrie is that they're all songs are like super overplayed. I think the Imagine Dragon songs are like kind of fun the first, second, or third time, but then you know they're they were the songs that when they were on the radio it was literally every fourth song, so you'd just be hit with it three hundred times in a week. Right. Um, so you you would think for the guy too that was uh, what was he the Vake was his was his rap name uh, yeah. when he was in college. You'd think that he'd have you know give me some Sugar Hill Gang, give me give me which apparently is also from New Jersey. Um, yeah. Uh, get, get, give me something a little more there be a little more edgy and instead he goes for like kind of like pop anthem I, you know I, I and, and well but the other thing is if you wanted something that sort of stressed like I'm both youthful and aware of musical trends you would have done something like Miley Cyrus's version of Jolene you know which is really good like really good Um, and you or you could do you know, any number of different songs that are kind of from your, you could say, this is just, this is just the, this is my set list from when I was in college, Yeah. you know, to kind of stress that like, Hey, I'm young, I'm youthful, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, prepping for debates by, by playing tennis, you know, it's it, that well, it lo- thing. It looks like, it, it looks like I figured it out, especially the first three songs, but really the whole thing, it looks like, what you would put in your plenty of fish dating profile in like 2008, <laughs> because you want, you want the girl to think, Oh, you've got a, you've got a rough edge and you come from humble beginnings, lose yourself. Eminem, the anthem of every like up jumped suburban kid who wishes he was street. Right. You've got Mozart. I'm a sophisticate. I like, cl- I like the finer things you've got fallout boy, but I'm, but I'm really sensitive. You know, I'm, I'm mm. emo, you know, I, I'm in touch. I'm in touch with my feelings. And then the Imagine Dragons, that's like, to me, the the quote unquote alt or indie that's like, you know, distributed by mail with, you know, supermarket coupons, right? It's like so <laughs> utterly. And then Jolene, I would say if this were allowed, the actual best version of Jolene is Dolly Parton slowed down to half speed. I don't know if you guys ever heard that when they, when I, they I have. Yes. That's, that, well, that's the whole problem with the song is that the, I mean, her register is too high. Again, I love Dolly Parton. This is yeah. not judgment on Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton's amazing. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the infamous you know situation of, of writing that and, uh, and I will always love you. It, it like, I mean, it, you know, the, anyway, she's incredible. That version, though, is not. And I would say this, by the way, I think of her as the female version of Bob Dylan. Yes. Like Dylan, so many of Dylan's songs, the covers are better than the original because of, you know, both the limitations of his range and also, 
you know, people mix it up, you know, and, and that I think is, is something that's very true of her. Yeah, that's um, true. And then let's just say it shouldn't go unremarked upon that Woody Guthrie is an honest to God socialist. Not and, just a socialist, by the way, he claimed to be a card carrying member of the communist yeah, party. Yeah, a communist. Uh, I was trying to, I was trying to be charitable to him. He's a bleeping commie Yeah, and he's yeah. on Vivek's list. I mean, totally unacceptable. <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> I mean, and the other thing is, like, if I, I mean, if I was running for president and trying to make a list like this, I would literally start with James Brown. America is my home. And, like, America is my home is like the most patriotic freaking song making a political point, by the way. And it's fantastic. It's great. It, I mean, it's it's a spoken word kind of thing. So it would totally fit in the Vivek, uh, like rap type sort of space. But no. No. Yeah. So there's a, there are better ways to be cynical. Like even, that's the thing. Even the people who were being cynical with their list didn't really show up. Like they didn't fully commit. It was, all of them were kind of lazy. So I have two questions and I don't, you know, we obviously don't have to do full lists, but obviously this is a, a uh, situation where the responses that they got were from Chris Christie, you know, Nikki Haley, Vivek, Will Hurd, Larry Elder, Asa Hutchinson, and Cornell West. So they did not have, obviously, uh, Ron DeSantis. They did not have Donald Trump. Uh, and they did not have Mike Pence. Uh, all people who will certainly qualify for the debate. I I'm not going to have you speculate on Doug Burgum because I don't think we know enough about him uh, to, to maybe speculate on what his list would look like. I'm sure it would look awesome, John. But if you had to speculate, <laughs> what would be one song that would be on... I mean, we know Trump's playlist. Like, Trump is the king of playlists. He runs his own playlist. He controls the playlist at Mar-a-Lago himself. You know, uh, uh, you know, he he. Uh, that this is the one thing that I have in common with him in terms of controlling the playlists at parties and being like super obsessed with it. Uh, what would be one song that would be on each of their playlists? I think for DeSantis, I think for DeSantis, I would—I I have no idea what his musical taste is like. I haven't thought about it until this very second you asked me. But what's the first thing that came to my mind is like I think he's into like prog, math rock, like you know, uh, Rush. Rush, exactly. He's totally a Rush guy. That makes yeah, total sense. Yeah, Joe, Tom like, Sawyer, right Joe at the Satriani, top. Yeah, like all those prog rock bands. I think him and Dave Weigel would have. Playlist. Mark Knopfler, not Dire Straits, yeah, that, yeah, but but Dire Straits is like on the on the like safer end of the stuff yes. he likes. He likes yes. really abstract prog rock and Trump. I think it's got to be Whopper, 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 Whopper from the McDonald's commercials. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Pence? Uh Pence. What would Pence? I mean. I think he would probably go straight to God bless the USA. I mean, what would be hilarious about Pence, and this is and this really would be hilarious, is if he just outsourced it to his daughter, and it was entirely '90s bangers. Like, <laughs> like Ooh. that would be very Mike. Like, I could see Mike Pence, you know, the dad in the SUV driving his daughter to the Britney Spears concert before she got like adult and sexy, and and just like. All the sort of like but when was that? Because I mean that the original iteration toxic. of Britney was Yeah, uh, but I mean even hit well, me one I'm more saying, time like, was the uh, dividing line. It would probably I'm be. not a girl, not yet a woman would be the obvious dividing line. Yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah. <laughs> but the but you get what I'm I'm saying, just like yeah. he, he would actually he would be the type of person, I think, to 
unironically be a fan of American Woman because he's never seen the music video. You mean well, yes. I, I mean, <laughs> it's not a it's not a funny answer, but that's kind of where I was going. He would yeah. it, it's it's an easy answer. It's like he would he would pick songs with America, and he'd do the classic Reagan, right? Born in the USA, yeah. Where he, where he you, doesn't you, you, go to the next level. Well, but what's amazing? You're about, making a way, fundamental just... mistake in your understanding of Mike Pence because, by his own admission, he's a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. I think he's going with somebody more like Lauren Daigle. I think you're doing the the contemporary Christian thing. Yeah, there'd be gospel. There'd be gospel. Uh, there'd be he'd have, he'd have Creed. Creed would definitely be on that list. Zach Brown yeah. band. You know, I think his his edgy. He'd pick some contemporary country too. His edgy pick would be like one of the later Johnny Cash, like from the Johnny Cash covers. Yeah. You know, he would do. He'd have. He'd, like have he'd have a couple U two songs. Um, uh, Maybe the ultimate dad rock band. Who again? It's 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 like you. You know, it, it's. Uh, Foo Fighters, right? The ultimate dad rock band. Now, I yeah. love Dave Grohl. He, you know, he he can do no wrong, but that but, is the daddiest dad rock band ever. So he'd probably totally. ha- he'd throw a Foo Fighters in there, uh, uh, and and a Mumford and Sons, just because. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, something vaguely like folksy Irish. Yeah, <laughs> but but the thing the thing that I just would like is is just sort of there's there would there would be one pick that would be slightly odd and off kilter because it has like America in the title. And he doesn't understand its association with some sort of definition of the. Yeah, he of... would pick what's it? Uh, uh, childish Gambino. This is America. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but going back to DeSantis, though, couldn't you kind of imagine him sort of the in, in kind of you know the political version, a younger on DeSantis of the opening scene from um, Office Space with some like very aggressive <laughs> rap playing, and he's you know just wherever he oh, is. Oh, totally. And, and like just winding up the window and just really rocking yeah, that out was, hard. That, that was I was, Ru- I was actually gonna deal. I was gonna go in a slightly different direction with DeSantis. I was gonna say that I feel like if he may, maybe I'm misreading him, but if if he was put on a spot, I feel like he would just pick like the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. That you know, kind like, of thing. Like, which, which is not a poor choice. Which yeah. is not a poor it's not a poor choice, but it's like a perfectly prepackaged choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's got both bittersweet things. It's got you know uh, uh, retro stuff, but not too retro, you know. And and it's the sort of thing where like he's very. What I'm saying is, DeSantis is very Chris Pratt like. You don't like, you, you don't actively hate him, you know, unless you're like a paid Trump person. Uh, but it's also like you don't seek out the movies that he's in because you're such a super fan of Chris Pratt. You know, yeah. uh, and well, I could, and, I could see that being part of it. And the and the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack is a little bit like these lists; like they're all good tunes on that soundtrack, but they are very safe. I mean, some of those songs have been in a hundred other movies. It's like they're, give me, they're it's very, like give me shelter. They're very safe know? needle drops, with yeah. the exception, with the exception of, uh, I I think the come a little bit closer scene in two is just phenomenal i think it's one of the best scenes the mc ever produced and i think that the end scene of the of the third one to choose a song that's a little bit off like doesn't have necessarily the same nostalgic kind of broad appeal in in florence and the machine uh dog's days are over dog days are over 
that I thought that that was a little more. This is like real James Gunn right here. Like this is he loves this song, and that's a great song. And she's got a she's got a great. And I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a viral video of her watching it and bursting into tears. So no, I haven't. I actually haven't seen the third one yet. I've just yeah. seen the first two. Yeah. But um, um, the the only other thing I'd say about DeSantis, it just occurred to me, is like Yacht Rock. We we kind of mentioned it a little, but he would totally he would throw on Steely Dan, Hall and Oates, Loggins and Messina, a lot of the. And, you know ampersand groups. john mayer the new john the newer john mayer I oh john i hate to say it but yeah you're probably right <laughs> he's 100 percent a john mayer fan Ugh, we didn't no see way. any john mayer on these lists i'm shocked now that I, think about <laughs> but I, I can also see um i feel like he's like a real jock jams kind of guy though too i feel like you get a little survivor a little eye of the tiger going on oh, maybe, oh, maybe, blood, maybe he, like is blood he one of the guys who's like magic? i mean i don't know Ooh, yeah. did they ever prove gary glitter <laughs> 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 yeah, he would put he would do like blood sugar sex sex magic era red hot chili peppers, you know. I could I could see it. Like you know, you see those pictures of him when he was the um the overly friendly substitute teacher, right? At the, Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um and you th- you do think like a lot of early 90s like uh seashell necklace, you know what I mean? Like yeah, standing standing by the yeah. standing by the keg, you know, kind of stuff. Jock yeah. frat yeah. stuff. Uh, that I, I mean, let's do an hour on this, boys. You can let's no, no, going. you can learn so much. I mean, this is I I love that Politico gave us this because there was not a lot to talk about over the last couple of days. In terms <laughs> yeah. of but look, I, I want to take a minute though to stand up for uh, you know as I, as I tried to in all them sort of the normal person, and I, I I will admit that I am an under music person, and I think is a much less important part of my life than it is for a lot of people. But there's a reason the popular songs are popular and i think it's i think it's snobbery dan that you're you're looking for these deep cuts uh you know if they were the best songs why wouldn't they be played more often it's like there's that line in there's that line in wayne's world where it's like zeppelin didn't write tunes everybody loved they left that to the Bee Gees. and i I like just play some stairway yeah just play with some stairway Look, I like the big hits too, but you show a little bit more your person. I mean, maybe this is their personality. They're an inch deep. You know what I mean? They don't get to the deep cuts because they listen to now. That's what I call music. Number but, but, 17. But you know? Especially in this, in this day and age. And, and what, let's, let's not miss the chance to, to dunk on Vivek where he, you know, younger than we are grew up in a world, you know, that Napster was probably gone by the time that he yeah. was, you know, in college. But where you could have kind of, uh, you know, the on-demand stuff. I mean, for us, you know, a lot of it was what was radio play or you know, you'd get the, I mean, I was more of a greatest hits album guy than, you know, sort of the, the deeper cuts of stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, to, to get sociological for a second, you know, a, a lot of, I, I don't, I'm sure you guys are the same. All of my Instagram feed the whole summer has been girls my age, women my age, married, single, whatever, just losing their collective shit over either Beyonce or Taylor Swift or both. It's just 80% concert photos from those two. And Ben, you mentioned the Killers is the last great guitar band. We talked about Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that part of it, the insanity towards these, like this small handful of acts, it's not that any of those people suck. Beyonce's got a great voice. Taylor Swift can write a great pop song. We already talked about Foo Fighters and the Killers, but they're not all time greats and the reason why they're so beloved is because there's like no there's nothing else out there that has a, a massive audience it's well point, John. It's I, like- I would also i would also say and this is i'm not anti-taylor swift i just think that it's a situation where as an entertainer 
Uh, she's phenomenal in an era when there are relatively few competitive acts, meaning that there's That's what I mean. yeah. people on that level. Yeah, and so like I, who, I think I agree with you. Yeah. Who can fill 10,000 seats, much less 80,000 like she can? Like yeah. you can't list more than a dozen bands right now who could fill, uh, you know, 10,000 seats who aren't this pure nostalgia acts who are, yeah. you know, coming out on their walkers. What, what do you think I, she's I, I, do, I, do, I do just have to interject. I do just have to interject. Uh, there's a beautiful scene, uh, a callback to the Venture Brothers from from a long time ago, uh, where uh, Brock Sampson is required to uh, fill out some gigantic form, and instead he just draws Icarus from the Led Zeppelin album, and the, and the guy, the the bureaucrat, points this out, and he says, "Okay, little man, what's your problem? You don't like Zepp?" <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe maybe that's the simplest way to respond to a quiz like this just to send them back like a little picture or, or draw something. the uh, oh i totally would have drawn the prince symbol that's what yes I <laughs> just draw the prince symbol that's perfect <laughs> this is this is what you need to know this is what you need to know about me if you're going to elect me commander-in-chief and president of the united states this is thunderdome we've been talking for half an hour about music so we we did do need to talk about a little bit about the news uh, because uh, there's some things that uh, have happened. So for, uh, so let's just uh, try to wrap that up in about uh, 15 minutes. So a couple of things to, to highlight. Uh, first off, um, <clears throat> the president is uh, having a pretty rough week, I would say. He, uh, you know, the, you know, obviously, you know, we our hearts go out to the first lady for having been diagnosed with having COVID. Um, but then there's this weirdness at the white house about both his use of masks and, uh, and his testing. And I don't know if you both saw it, but the footage from the other day of him walking out of this, uh, medal of honor ceremony that was clearly not planned though. The white house claimed that it was, uh, without a mask, uh, was very awkward. Definitely made him seem like he was uh, confused about what was going on. Uh, and there is, uh, for the second time in a week, a poll that shows that three quarters of Americans, including two thirds of Democrats, consider him too old for office. Uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, found this with 73 percent of Americans saying he's too old to run for president, uh, including, uh, you know, uh, two thirds of Democrats. Uh, there was an AP poll last week found 77 percent of Americans overall and 69 percent of Democrats said he was too old to effectively serve another four-year term. Does this matter? So I'll go with my standard line on this at this point, but like the the worst thing, it's going to turn out that the worst thing that happened to the Democratic Party was that they didn't get wiped out in the, in the midterms because all of this stuff to get Biden off the top of the ticket needed to start happening a year earlier, right? And mm -hmm. so you needed bigger GOP congressional majorities you needed ideally control of both chambers to, to make a impeachment push like more realistic. But you also it takes time to dislodge a sitting president who's announced or, or has had it announced for him that he's going to run for reelection. And there just isn't enough time. We're starting to see this stuff. It looks increasingly bad for him. I think there's a couple of factors, you know, wildcard factors, you know, a big, you know, an acceleration of the whoppers and the Hunter Biden inquiry, a really embarrassing, like a, I hate to say it, but like a McConnell level moment. I mean, he's had a ton of stuff that's, you know, what, what, whatever you want to say, two thirds of a McConnell um, that's, that's already happened, but he had some really big 
mental lapse moment, you know, that might accelerate things a little, but the short version is, I just think there isn't enough time. I think when you're trying to dislodge a sitting president who won fairly comfortably and, you know, survived the midterms, you know, far better than expected. You need, you need some runway to get mm-hmm. that plane off the ground and it's too late. Well, part of that to me, and, and John, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, that part of that to me is the Hunter situation where basically it was like, you know, we we had sort of the early inklings of of interest from the New York Times and Washington Post, right, and Politico, right before the midterms. To John's point, um, I mean, to Dan's point, and then we had basically this, uh, like, okay, we're going to patch together something after those midterms to try to make this go away, and then it collapsed, and now we have the indication uh, from David Weiss, uh, who said today that he was going to seek an indictment of Hunter by the end of the month um, after that plea deal fell apart. Now, we don't know the nature of that indictment. I'm sure that Republicans are all geared up to criticize it for being far too weak. But the point is they tried to make it go away after trying to make it a thing. And it doesn't seem to me like there's enough runtime to sort of make this enough of a thing uh, to push him out, even if you are able to access uh, these apparently pretty damning uh, email correspondence uh, between the then vice president's office and uh, and uh, Hunter and his associates. I think I stay in sort of the same place that I was, that our politics are just so tribal right now that I, I think against a non-Trump, then I think you can sort of make the, the, the argument for those swing voters in the half dozen states that are in play and try to lean into this. I, I think what's going to be more interesting and um, sort, sort of related, and I know you covered this in the transom this week, uh, and you know I think it was Nate, Con- Nate Cohen today at the New York Times was digging into it, is some sort of some of the slippage you're seeing for Biden among minority voters. And, and all of which is, you know, are these things, I, I think probably the greater impact isn't to say that, you know, I'm going to vote for Trump because I think Biden has issues or I'm going to vote for Biden because Trump has legal problems. It's the what is the mix of the people that say, I don't really want either one of them. I'm just going to stay home. And does that skew one way or the other? Um, I, I think until I think all of the stuff that that we've seen on on the, the Biden and, and Hunter stuff is, you know, again, it's, it's all it's all it's all things you wouldn't want to see. But it's all things that are. I don't know that there's anything again, not a lawyer, but there's like nothing in there yet that still seems like a complete kind of smoking gun. There's a lot of stuff that seems kind of like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have done that. And there probably shouldn't have been that kind of coordination going on, but it's uh, all this stuff. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, Jimmy Comer's doing a great job trying to dig into it, but it's like not an easy narrative to follow on some of these things. Cause there's so many people and we don't, we don't know these aren't, you know, the, the Devin archers of the world are not household names. And when these things happen, I, I just, I think it's kind of a, a hard thing. And it was the same thing around, I think the Trump Russia thing, you know, in, in that case, it was ended up, you know, to the, to the president's, you know, President Trump's detriment. And I think, you know, obviously unfairly so that it was the, to try to unwind what was going on with Adam Schiff and with all those kind of things. You really had to invest a lot of time in it to try to understand who said what to whom and when and who promised the smoking gun and when. Um, I think I think the cognition, I think Dan's right. I think if you have a moment where 
you know, you have Trump and Biden on the stage and, and Biden just starts talking about, you know, wearing onions on their belt because that was the mm-hmm. style in his day, you know, kind of Grandpa Simpson sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and, and I do think that, you know, realizing Trump is not, you know, chronologically much younger than Biden um, and I think has probably some, a different set of, you know, health issues. I think Nate Silver covered this all pretty well in his his Substack the other day. Um, and was, I thought, delightly, de- delightfully dismissive of the academic that thought uh, that age was as relevant uh, for picking a president as eye color. Um, uh, it's <laughs> Amer- American academia at work. But I-, I just think that it continues to be a shirts and skins game until it's not, which is it's kind of tautological. Uh, um, uh, but I, it's it's a choice, right? I mean, it's it becomes a choice. You have you can pull one guy, you can pull it for the other. You can sit at home, and there's not like some sort of other option out there. Uh, I think the age thing is probably more salient against somebody that's against the younger candidate. You know, if you go out there with a Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis with younger families, but um, yeah, I, I just I, I feel like we you know there's these stories kind so of. So let me and- let me push back a little bit against that. <clears throat> Let's go off of the Nate Cohn piece, which was actually the basis for for a segment that I did in Fox yesterday, and and has definitely gotten a lot of attention. Um, and you know, just in terms of uh, people's awareness of it, the the general gist of it is that there's been enormous amount, there's enormous amounts of poll data indicating that the reason that Biden isn't beating Trump by more, the reason that they're basically a coin flip, uh, and you know, within the margin of error is that as much as he has increased his lead among white college-educated voters, uh, his lead among uh, Black, Hispanic, and uh, to some degree Asian, though it's harder because the the numbers are smaller to analyze in the poll, voters, especially those who are non-college, has just fallen off a cliff. I mean, you know, in Democratic terms, it is not what you want to be seeing a year out from an election. Uh, and uh, and it really bodes poorly for for people, depending on the makeup of the districts that they're in, uh, that black Hispanic, black and Hispanic voters, working class voters, non-college are very disappointed in this president. They do not like what they are seeing. And so my my pushback would just be if this is shirts and skins, wouldn't they be the people who would be expected to just come back home? To you know, come on in for for a win with the team that you're part of, and you voted for him, you know, presumably in 20, uh, and we, you know, we, you know, we we can win you back. But there aren't any indications of that, and I don't see anything coming out of this White House that would indicate that they're even trying to do that. Yeah. So the only thing I'd say about that, based on my memory of the of the piece, is that I do think they'll come home. I mean, I guess that's the short answer. I so. You know, in that head to head with my non-white voters, right, I think was the way it was framed. Yeah. It was like 50 something to 28 for Trump. So the 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 gap there is not needless to say is not all going to turn to Trump. I mean, he'll get some non-negligible piece of that. And I think, you know, the, the numbers have been improving for the GOP, you know, the Trump led GOP, we should say, um, you know, in, in, in recent elections. And I think. Cohen even says something like, you know, um, they've they've been losing ground in every election in the last 10 years. I think it's it's a it's a trend, you know, so I think Trump will get some piece of it. But I think by and large, enough of them will come home that it'll look 
more or less it won't be catastrophic it'll look more or less but but like then that. here's my but so here's my follow-on question to that though that for both of you what is the thing that makes them do that because from my perspective what i i mean i see a golden opportunity here and, and the republican party is very infamously great at missing golden opportunities but when it comes to this voting portion of the electorate i don't see the biden issue that's going to be used against Trump in a way that will create the kind of comeback home mentality for these voters, in part because they are so invested in what I think of as a, a play to white college educated people on, on abortion as a culture war issue, on threat to democracy as this kind of intellectual haze issue. Uh, that no one really believes in, uh, but but they you know are messaging constantly, uh, and on you know a number of other things that basically are designed to discount, uh, you know, immigration. Yeah. Well, 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 designed to discount uh, the kind of issues that affect working class Americans. Meaning, uh, it's not a ba- it's not bad that we have all this problems at the border. It's not bad that we have these chaos in cities. It's not bad that we have inflation the way that it is uh things are actually working great and that in yeah yeah and that to me just like if you're a hispanic voter in the working class or in the middle class what's there for you like what what's the thing there that says yeah i I mean i definitely need to vote for more of that because you know i mean i i lived through trump before and he didn't deport me or anybody that i knew yeah but ben that in, in that case what happens is not that they come home but that they stay home Right. They Ooh. they don't go they don't go to the polls, you know, I and I think that is a possibility. Look, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for not voting in a 2024 election matchup. That's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. I really wouldn't. And, you know, I, I think there is a plausible story where minorities don't, you know, don't go out and vote. And then you have a couple of really important, important things that become even more important, namely how much of the 2020 you know, non-same day, non-in-person voting uh, expansions stay in place. How 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 well are the Democrats able to recreate, you know, what they did in 2020 on that score? And, you know, if, if it is a relatively low turnout election, at least based on, you know, relative to expectations, um, you know, that is more like a 2016 scenario. Um, and, and, and all kinds of things happen in that scenario where you get very very close popular votes in big electoral college states and then it does it does destabilize biden's position um considerably but i i don't see you know like massive numbers like there's not going to be a damn break of non-white voters to to trump or the republican party this time around but again yeah 80 year old dude 82 year old dude running for re-election against dude who's running for the third time and has torn the country apart at, at, at its seams. Um, that's not a ticket to a high turnout election. Yeah. John. So uh, I, I agree. That I think the turnout part is, is bigger. And I think that, I think Cohen does a good job, I think of unpacking sort of both sides of what might be going on. And I think his takeaway is that there is something, if your team Biden, there's something to be concerned about because relative to where, voters were at the same time in previous cycles, there's been a real deterioration um, with, and I think you sort of have to, I mean, you have to, I think, look at everybody a little bit differently. And 
you know, Sean Trendy has, has, you know, in his book a number of years ago, even if you want to look at the Hispanic community, it's not like there's just, it's some sort of generic, you know, that Cubans obviously in South Florida vote differently than people of Mexican descent that live in California. Contact is important. Hispanics in Texas are different than those in New York that are, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, just, to, just to interject on that, I mean, a, a very, you know, recent example of that is the the threat of socialism message totally worked for Trump among the South American and Cuban populations and didn't scare any Mexicans into voting yeah. for him. Like it just, it was, it, it's a complete different reaction to it. And as my, uh, as my, you know, hundred percent Puerto Rican grandfather would say, uh, you know, you know, they don't even play the same sports as us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. But I, I think that the, I think the part, the other part where you have to be concerned if, if you're Biden is, I think you have an intersection intersectionality here of um, of both race and age or ethnicity and age that, again, younger voters who are been, while more progressive, are more lukewarm on Biden because he has not delivered the Green New Deal to their expectation or stopped climate change or you know whatever you want it to be. You know, younger voters are, are skew more non-white. And does that disillusionment, disillusionment carry over again? And you know, the, the the people that are sun, sunrise movement or whatever it is, those those aren't potential Trump voters. Uh, but you know, do they go to Cornell West? And you know, a Cornell West vote, if you're Donald Trump, is yeah, it's probably about as good as a vote for you to some degree. Um, I, I do think that, and I, I think this is, I think you're right. I think Republicans have continually missed opportunities on this, or they sort of focus more on it's. Instead of instead of doing, they do they they focus on saying like or you know telling instead of showing. Uh, I, I can remember Ken Melman. I think it was Ken Melman when he was the RNC chairman going to talk to either NAACP or National Urban League or that kind of thing. And again, I think I think outreach is great and it's important to let people know that you care. But the bigger thing is, I think some of the stuff that you've seen with governors of okay, can we for state jobs do we take out you know the requirement for you know, college degrees for some of those that, that don't need it. And again, it's, it, it doesn't just impact, you know, minorities is going to impact, you know, anyone without a college degree. How, how do you, how do you create a narrative of prosperity uh, or, you know, improvement? And I think the, I think the education thing can hit, I think you can look at what has worked in, in other places. And I think that Trump, if he picks those things up, I mean, on one hand, he will make those things harder to pass into law because basically anything he, decides that he likes Democrats are then automatically yeah. opposed to. And in fairness, you know, vice versa. I mean, I always used to think if Barack Obama had told kids to, you know, in the Hulk Hogan thing, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins that you know, Republicans would be out there the next day saying like, just do candy and, you know, be dismissive of religion. Um, you know, again, going to just sort of the tribalism of our times, but you know, I, I think that, I think the, it's 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 weird. The best thing each one of Biden and Trump has going for them right now is the other. Yeah. And it's it, it, I, I just don't know how it sorts out. I mean, I really do think it's one of those ones. It's like whatever black swan event, you know, if there is one that happens a month before, if it's great for Biden then Biden wins, if it's great. I don't people that think that it's impossible for Trump to come back, I think are kidding themselves. If we wake up, if we do a Rip Van Winkle thing and I wake up the day after Election Day in 2024 and somebody tells me that, you know, Trump has been elected to you know, a second term, you know, I, I probably wouldn't put money on it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. What about the mansion Tulsi ticket beating uh, RFK and uh, 
and uh, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> At least that would be interesting, right? <laughs> uh, let, let's go. Let's go out on this because I, I we do need to wrap up since we spent so much time on music. <laughs> A couple of lawfare updates. Uh, so. Trump, uh, the Georgia uh, situation, uh, uh, the judge there is is very much concerned. Uh, that's uh, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee. Uh, very concerned about the timing on this trial. Uh, it's supposed to take four months and feature testimony from, according to the prosecution, 150 witnesses. Uh, and uh, he's basically saying, yeah, there ain't no freaking way that we're doing this, you know, uh, over the course of the spring in a timely manner, which seems pretty obvious. Uh, Trump has said, uh, he told our, uh, again, friend of the show, Hugh Hewitt, uh, that uh, he would uh, look forward, I, I look forward to testifying at trial. I'll testify. Uh, he said that today. I'm sure his his lawyers uh, really enjoyed listening to that. Uh, and then an update from the Eugene Carroll defamation case, which is still uh, ongoing, if you've forgotten about it. Uh, apparently, the, the federal judge there uh, ruled that uh, uh, Trump will uh, Trump has to uh, pay a partial summary judgment uh, in terms of liability uh, for defaming uh, Carol uh, because of uh, saying that uh, she was lying about claims of being uh, sexually harassed by him. Uh, it, it, it I have to be honest, I have to defend him on this point. This seems absolutely absurd. He literally just said this was false uh, repeatedly and vociferously. Uh, and uh, Carol, who seems to me like an absolutely nutball person, uh, not just because her cat is named Vagina, uh, but because uh, if you look back at like all the different claims she made over the years about the different people who she said has sexually harassed her and the different ways that she's been sexually harassed and the sex column that she wrote about like, uh, you know, basically excusing rape as being just like another sexual kink. She just seems like a really weird and not trustworthy person. I mean, maybe, hey, you know, maybe you take uh, Tucker's latest guest, his latest toothless guest seriously when it comes to uh, Barack Obama and uh, uh, buying crack and having gay sex. Uh, you, if you're one of those people, maybe Eugene Carroll seems legit to you. Uh, but it, it just uh, does seem like uh, this is a situation where uh, Trump is going to have some real challenges just in terms of the timing of these cases the way that they're going to play out over the coming months basically starting in march uh and so my question to you is how like just fast forward just a little bit for me like how does the rnc and the gop kind of superstructure the senators the governors the people who have to go on tv on a regular basis the people who have to answer questions on a regular basis take the experience of the former president the likeliest nominee for your party the guy who just won this state or that state uh is also having to appear in court tomorrow uh and the day after tomorrow in a different state and the day after that in a different state because of all the different legal crises that he's having you know how can you possibly think this is a good thing for your party and a good thing for your ability to win I think we we kind of saw a preview of what they're going to do during the last debate, and it's to pivot away from Trump specifically and talk about the weaponization of government. Um, and I think it, it at some point, you know, it's it's sort of uh, I can't remember if this was 
you know, former speaker John Boehner, former Senator Richard Burr, you know, it's kind of your shit sandwich. You just kind of have to make the best of it. Um, and your thing is going to be either, you know, the, obviously the, you know, the, the deep state is out to get them. And yeah, I mean, I think you're almost, you're almost forced to, uh, to sort of carry Trump's rhetoric as your own, because I mean, can you, can you imagine a world in which um, in a convention, you know, that you try to pull Trump off the ballot? I mean, it, there would be, I mean, it'd be like Chicago 68 kind of stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I think that you, you just basically, or, or you just say, look, the legal process is going to bear itself out, but you know, the, you know, our voters have spoken and they want, you know, the former president to be the, the president again and talk about, you know, the, you know, where's the where are the Hunter indictments or where is, you know, Joe Biden being held to account? I, I think it's really going to just be kind of like shifting attention to other stuff. I, I wish it would be it, it, I wish it were that genteel. I, I actually think it's going to be even worse than that. I, I mean, look, I should say no, nobody's ever seen this before or gone lived through it before. So we really don't know. I mean, I think the way that cable news covers trials, televised trials is different than the way they cover horse race politics. And if the dynamics of the O.J. Simpson trial or even, you know, Clinton's, you know, deposition or some of the 21st century trials with like, you know, the the, the moms and the I don't even remember their names, the all the high profile criminal trials like the, the murder trials and stuff you know if those dynamics govern then it could be a little bit different but then again you know we've we've seen the GOP, gop like superstructure to use your word ben like very personally take it as their mission to defend donald trump's sexual virility hand size uh i don't know uh, athletic fitness good looks toughness what you know Authority to criticize uh, imprisoned prisoners of war. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 not to put too fine a point on it, but but so we've seen in, in short, we've seen official Republicandom humiliate itself again and again and again for seven years on this guy's behalf. So why would we expect anything different? I expect the convention to be a four day defense case for Trump, and I expect it to get into at least at, at points to get into specifics. You know, it's not just going to be, isn't he great and where are the Hunter indictments? I think that he's going to expect in-kind contributions to his legal defense. And what's more, those that all happened in 2016 and 2020 once he got the nomination. Now he has completely repopulated the RNC and the party's apparatus mm -hmm. with Trump loyalists. So, I mean, I expect it to be a full-on, you know, shit show on his behalf. You know, I wish I could disagree with you, but I uh, I can't because I think that that makes a ton of sense. Uh, this has been Thunderdome. Uh, it's uh, it's just another crazy week in our uh, our path toward November of 2024. For Dan, for John, I'm Ben Dominich. Uh, you can go to thespectator.com, subscribe to our newsletters. Uh, you can check out uh, Stephen Miller's newsletter on uh, media. You can check out Amber Athey's, uh, Athey's uh, newsletter on culture. You can check out uh, my own, obviously, Thunderdome, which I hope you subscribe to. Uh, and you can subscribe to our magazine, which uh, is an excellent print publication. Uh, and you can use uh, the code uh, TRANSOM if you want to get uh, an extra couple of free months uh, when you sign up. Uh, Thunderdome will be back next week to detail all the more craziness as it relates to this insane election. Thank you for listening.